Love is a word that we most often associate with sweetness and light, I think. We often think of love as romantic. We might even think of it as cute. It's about flowers and and chocolates and diamonds. It's about warm, fuzzy feelings or passionate gestures. And I think we associate love with these things because we are often attached to the the fantasy of love as something that will whisk us away from pain and from difficulty. We often associate love with living happily ever after. It is easy for us to think of love in this way because perhaps we long for love to be like a fairy tale. But of course, we all know that in real life, love is hard. Love leaves us exposed and vulnerable. There is almost never something simple or easy about love. And when we pretend that love is easy, we're, we're usually ignoring or suppressing something. Because when we are truthful, and when we take the whole picture of our lives into account, then we see that love takes work. It demands something of us. It takes commitment. It takes self-giving. It takes having to compromise. It takes having to forgive. It takes compassion. And when love is real, It necessarily takes suffering. Imagine being the parent of a very large family. You love your family. You love your family, but imagine your many, many children routinely turn their back on you and reject you. Imagine these children often live in destructive conflict with one another. Imagine that they seem to always hurt and harm themselves and one another. What would it look like to be this parent and love each and every one of your children? Well, it could not look like abandonment or withdrawal, could it? It could not be a a throwing up of one's hands in frustration and despair. That would be a betrayal of love and the ones loved. Nor could it be a, a stripping away of freedom or an imposing of the parents' will on all of the children. If those children were ultimately to be respected and thus loved, then eventually they must be free to choose. Whatever it looked like for this parent to love these children, it could not be simple or straightforward, could it? To love these children would involve cost, and it would entail a profound amount of suffering. Jesus proclaims 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. God so loved the world. The biblical story is the story of this love. God creates in love. God creates the heavens and the earth, the planets and the animals, and the people all in love. This love God has for the world beats at the center of the whole of reality. This love is both the why of creation and the how of creation. The world was created for love and created by love. And God is the one who loves and is the source of all love. And yet the biblical story is not a sentimental fantasy. It does not entertain a romanticism divorced from the cost of love. Indeed, the biblical story reveals that God's love is costly. For indeed, God continues to love in response to rejection. God loves in the face of betrayal. God loves even though the people God created harm and hurt themselves and one another. Despite the cost, God continues to love. God does this not because God is obligated to love, but because God, in God's freedom, created the world in love and would not abandon that love in the face of rejection. Instead, in response to our hardness of heart, in response to our rejection, God goes all in. God remains committed to God's creation by maintaining relationship with us. And God does this by being with us and for us. Now this this claim that God loves us by being with us is foundational to the Christian faith. This This is what we mean when we speak of incarnation. This is what we mean when we are told that the the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or when during the Nicene Creed we proclaim that for us and for our salvation, this word, this God from God, comes down from heaven. By taking on a human life, God enters into full solidarity with us. God goes all in. But this all in is costly. And this cost looks like the Son of Man being lifted up. This cost looks like the cross. For indeed, the cross is not some arbitrary punishment, but rather the event by which God bears the full cost of God's love for us by being with us completely and fully. 
The cross of Jesus Christ is the, the culmination of God's solidarity with us. It is the ultimate expression of God's love for us. The cross reveals that God is not only among us, but in Christ suffers with us and for us. In Christ, God takes on our brokenness. God takes on our agony, our suffering, our rejection, our selfishness, assumes them all, and makes them God's own. This is the cross of Christ. God assumes our alienation from God and from one another and makes that alienation God's very own. In doing so, God transforms our alienation into solidarity by entering fully into our alienation. God crosses the chasm which divides. God becomes the crucified God for us and for the world that God so loved. This event, this sacrifice, it happens once for all. And yet this cross of God's love is not about some sort of future redemption in the age to come, not just about that. God's love is for this world, this suffering and broken world. When we hear Jesus this morning, perhaps we are conditioned to think that his words are about something that is to come. When we hear of eternal life, for instance, it is easy for us to think of it as something that happens to us after we die. Or when we hear of condemnation and judgment and we think of these as something that happens, we tend to think of these as something that happens to us when our lives are complete. But here Jesus is very much speaking in the present. We've already entered into a world transformed. We exist in an in-between space in an already and a not yet time where on the one hand God has already won for us the victory and on the other that victory has not yet been fully realized. And so throughout John's gospel we see again and again that this eternal life that is spoken of is breaking into the now. It is to be grasped and entered into now as we come to believe, which is to say, trust in Christ. And indeed, as Jesus makes clear to us this morning, now is also the moment of judgment. If we reject the love of God given, if we, if we turn away from the light of God's love, then the judgment is that we cling to the shadows and we avoid God's brilliance. That's the judgment. The Greek word for judgment is crisis. 
And as the gospel makes clear, Jesus provokes this moment of crisis. We are invited to choose in every moment, in every now, how we will live. God's love and the crisis it provokes does not loom over us from the future. They are not what might or will happen. They are what is happening in each moment. In each moment. In each moment, we are invited to turn from the shadow and come to the light. God is not saving a world that is to come. But this very world. God is not saving a world that is to come, but this very world of beauty and brokenness and pain, of comedy and tragedy. And God does so not because God desires more power or more glory, but because God loves the world. And God desires our love in response. God does so because in God's love, God longs to liberate us from all that would dehumanize and degrade us. God does so because God so loved the world. Amen.